Welcome to Gunfighter Cast Episode 80. I'm John McGregor. Daniel is not here today, but he still does have over 15 years' experience as a Marine infantryman. I have over 20 years' experience as a law enforcement officer. Combined with about 30 years of experience as firearms instructors and 32 years' experience carrying concealed weapons. The purpose of this show is to discuss firearms, equipment, and training as it relates to self-defense from a military, law enforcement, and civilian perspective. It's going to be a quick intro today. I have done an interview with Carrie Davis of Dark Angel Medical. I want to thank Adam Painshaw of Six Hour Academy for letting us have a classroom to record the interview in. But basically, talk to Carrie about his company, a couple services and products that they offer. And you're going to hear all about that in the actual interview. Uh, before we do, get some housekeeping out of the way. If you haven't already done so, please join us on the Freedoms Network. Uh, we've got a group there, some content over there as well. Good resource. Our t-shirt sales are going to be temporarily on hiatus with Daniel moving back. Uh, we're going to have to find a new vendor. So expect to hear something about that shortly once uh, we get everything kind of back and established in this country. I want to thank our sponsor, Aries Gear, uh, maker of the best belts in the business. I just went and ordered a two-inch Aries Gear military belt. I'm putting together a battle belt, and that's going to kind of be the backbone of the whole thing. So I'm looking forward to getting that. Go to www.ariesgear.com or jake at ariesgear.com. And without any uh, further ado, here comes the interview. Welcome back. I'm here with Carrie Davis. Uh, thanks for joining me, Carrie. Thank you, John. Appreciate um, it. Just here to uh, introduce you as our newest sponsor. Um, cool. Appreciate you coming on with us. Oh, thanks but, for asking. Um, even before then, yeah, I definitely wanted to talk to you because uh, one of kind of one of the things that we routinely get asked about is kind of the medical side of it. And I know, um, you know, Daniel and I do a lot of talking about the guns and stuff, but that's yeah. kind of one of the areas we're lacking. So. Really yeah. wanted to uh, get with you about this and uh, see if you can, you know, share some information with us. Yeah, I'll do what I can. Uh, cool. Uh, why don't you? What's your? Uh, I know you have a pretty extensive background. What? Um, what are some things on your resume? Uh, in, in the last uh, twenty-one years, I've been. Uh, I started out as a, as a medic, ground medic, and ER in the Air Force, and then I went on to a special duty assignment up near at Fort Bragg Pope as a uh, flight medic and. Worked with the Army. I was on a liaison team. They sent me to airborne school, and so I worked with airborne units primarily up there. Uh, a lot of deploy, a lot of deployment time, about 200 days a year for almost five years. After that, I taught uh, officer training school, taught a medical course there, and during that time, I was working as a civilian paramedic. And then I got in reserves. I got out of active duty, went to reserves, went to nursing school, and became a uh, critical care and ER nurse. I've been doing that the last nine years. And I started shooting competitively back in 95 when I was stationed at Bragg and mm -hmm. really got into it and started wanting to kind of make the, you know, combination of shooting and medicine. And that's how all this stuff kind of came about. Um, and I, so I've been, yeah, 21 years I've been taking care of people. So I just wanted to kind of share what I had learned over the last 21 years with people and mm -hmm. pass it on. Like you said, you know, you concentrate on a lot of the firearms handling aspects, but people don't really concentrate much on the medical aspect. Yeah, and we put a lot, we you know, three four thousand dollars onto uh, like a Larue OBR or something like that, and you know, they when people were like, "Wow, that med kit's really expensive at one hundred and fifty, hundred sixty bucks." You know, mm -hmm. and it kind of it's the missing link. And I wrote an article, uh, David Reader from Military dot com, Kit Up actually 
published it out on his site a while back, and it was it's called the missing link, and it's basically the emphasis uh, or the lack of emphasis that the shooting community has has uh, shown towards uh, medical. If you know how to put holes in something, you should be able to learn how to fix them. Yeah, type of thing. So that's kind of the emphasis, and that's my background. So, and uh, you also work for some some big name companies in agile constructor, correct? Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been pretty fortunate uh, to be kind of in the right place at the right time. I've been really blessed, really fortunate, good karma, whatever you want to call it. And I live five miles from Magpul HQ, and so I was up there talking to them, you know. Back in 2008, and I said, "Hey, who who does your range day medic stuff and everything like that?" And so I started talking with them, and before I knew it, I was working with Magpul as an instructor. I left there uh, as a primary adjunct for our director of medical training back in 2011. I worked with them about two and a half years, and got picked up by Sig here at uh, at the academy as an adjunct. So, but it's kind of nice. I'm still kind of a free agent, so I can I can work with whoever. I just did a I just contracted a class with Magpul, and I'm uh, going to be working with some other folks this next year. So, mm-hmm. Excellent. Now, other than the adjunct work, though, um, I assume a big part of your focus is your business, correct? Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's my bread and butter. I left, mm-hmm. the, I left the bedside, the relative confidence and safety and stability of, the, of working in a trauma center uh, to do the, do the job full-time. My wife and I both, uh, Lynn, she's a former paramedic, former Air Force officer, um, she and I both do it full time from the house. Literally, a mom and pop, veterans, uh, veteran-owned small business. Yeah, and obviously we're talking about Dark Angel Medical. Yes. How yes. long? Um, how long has your business been uh, been in effect? We've been active active LLC since August of last year, but we did not start selling products and go live on our website and everything until January tenth of this year. And it's been a it's been a crazy year. It's been awesome. Uh, a lot of a lot of great people out there have been helping us out, supporting us, and pushing us, and 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 obviously buying from us. So uh, it's it's been a it's been eye opener uh, learning experience for she and I because I'm not a businessman. I'm I'm a man nurse and a and a trigger puller. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's something we both but we're both passionate about it, and I think that I think people see that. So your company, Dark Angel Medical, uh, it's kind of you know you'd mentioned your training background and, and how you you kind of wanted to bring training to people, but you kind of also have products as well. All right. right? And, 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 yeah, absolutely. The Direct Action Response Kit and our Pocket Dark are two of our products. We've got some new stuff uh, in the works right now. Hopefully but hopefully we'll be able to uh, come out with one of them around SHOT Shows. If, if I've got to talk to some of our, our vendors and see how that's going to go. Um, several things in the works, uh, trying to keep onward and upward. But, yeah, the the product was actually a, born out of our training. Um I made the curriculum up for my tactical aid course or the direct action response course back in 2006. I started working on stuff because I kept seeing, you know, folks like yourself in law enforcement or just average mom and pops and, you know, Joe Civilian, Susie Soccer Mom, whatever you want to call them, involved in these active shooter situations. And having been a paramedic, I know where I'm going to be staged mm-hmm. unless I'm going in on a, on a SWAT team. Uh, I'm going to be staged two, three, four, five, six blocks back until the area is declared clear. Well, by the time the area is declared clear, you know, time is life, and people have already have probably already expired at that point just due to, to bleeding out. And, and so my curriculum, I was like, there's nothing out there other than EMT or first responder, really, that kind of bridges the gap between the combat lifesaver, self-aid buddy care, TC3 that I, I used to teach in the military. And now, I'd, so I developed the, the direct, uh, direct action response course, or the tactical aid course, or up here at SIG, it's called Bullets and Bandages. And so the two-day classroom... Uh, was part of 
why I why I developed the kit because I was teaching it. And I was like, well, crap! All these kits I'm carrying are too big. They're too. There's too much stuff in them. You know. And then Travis Haley and I started talking about developing a mag kit when I was when he, we were both with Magpul. And he's like, hey, let's put it in about something about the size of an M4 mag pouch. I was like, cool. That sounds good. That's an awesome size. So the sizing and everything was his idea. And then, but he had, there's a lot of stuff in the, in what he wanted to put in there and what other guys had asked to put in there. And so I started going back on my experience and talking to other guys who are, you know, in the special operations medical field. Uh, some of, I've still got a lot of good close friends in there and they're like, Hey man, you, you know, keep it simple, keep it basic because then anybody can use it. And so that's what we came up with. Simplicity under stress. And that's what you want. I mean, you get shot. Life's complicated enough already as it is. And you get shot in your support hand, your support hand, uh, or you get shot in your weapon hand versus your support hand, and you're fixing yourself with your support hand. So life's complicated. So need simplicity under stress. So that's where we came up with our our kit. So before um, before the that you came up with the kit, obviously people would show up to class with their own right. different things and stuff. So you must have seen. Uh, you know, a lot of things that, you know, I might come to your class thinking, hey, this is what I need. I got my uh, combat applied tourniquet. I got a little quick clot. I'm good to go. But um, probably some deficiencies in there that I didn't know about. Yeah. What were some of, what were some of the things, you know, did you see any common misconceptions? People think they got the right gear, but they really don't. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's just like I said, you know, people always think bigger is always better. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily so, especially when it comes to the med kit. Uh, and they would try to put too much stuff or they would try to have a, their boo-boo kit and a boo-boo kit stuff like comfort items like band-aids and, you know, some, some mole skin or Tylenol sunscreen, stuff like that. They'd have to try to have that in their, in their big med kit. And you start getting too much stuff and then it becomes overcomplicated. And, and then you, when you need it in a stressful situation, it's just, there's too much. And that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing I always saw is people always thought, well, hey, here's my kit. And they bring out this big thing, you know, the size of a backpack or, you know, a, a big mobile trauma bay on our on their hip. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, you don't really need that. And after a while, I was like, screw it, I'll just I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's I try to get that through to people. And I think after they come to one of the classes, one of our either the Dark Angel class or the Bullets and Bandages class here at Sig, they see it's like an epiphany. They're like, wow, mm-hmm. I really didn't need all that crap after all. I just need a few things and know how to use them. And if I don't know how to use them, I teach people how to exploit their environment and use things in their environment for. You know the same purpose. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's the, that's the, always the biggest thing is people just they try to put too much stuff in there. Not cool. necessarily they have the wrong stuff. It's just yeah, too much. Don't know where to don't yeah. know where to stop. Don't right. know where to stop. Yeah. Okay. I should mention that we are recording this at uh, Six Hour Academy because Daniel, my partner, he's real big on sound engineering. He's probably going crazy with all the gunshots and stuff going on in the background, but I'm not going to edit them out. Um, we've actually got a couple kits in front of us that nobody can see because this is on uh, on radio, obviously. But um, why don't you um, share what's kind of what's different about your kit? What are those essentials that, that sure. you were talking about? Yeah, the ripping sound y'all just heard was uh, was, uh, was John ripping open the, the tourniquet pouch. Uh, I've, the, the pouch is custom designed, uh, based on my specs. I sent some, some design specs out to First Spear, um, out in Fenton, Missouri. Great bunch of guys to work with. Veteran owned small, a veteran owned business as well. Uh, and that pouch, I've got a, a combat application tourniquet, the CAT. One of the most widely filled tourniquets. And the reason I have the tourniquet up front and not in a vacuum sealed pack is because 
most of these most of these deaths related to ballistics or, or you know ballistic injuries or uh, extremity injuries are related to bleeding out. Mm-hmm. So how can we control bleeding out the quickest with a tourniquet? And the tourniquet is has been much maligned in its in its uh, in its life. And when I came in the military in 1991, tourniquet was last resort. Well. We've seen a paradigm shift in that in the last in the last 10, 12 years we've been overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan. Tourniquets actually are one of the first things we're going to put on under care in a care under fire or a life-threatening hemorrhage situation um, because it stops bleeding, it stops bleeding quick, and you're not going to lose the limb. Mm-hmm. They did a study uh, of over 800 and some odd applications of tourniquets. Um, they had, if the person had not lost enough blood to go into shock, they had greater than an 87% success rate. If the person had lost enough blood to go into shock, they only had about a 40-some-odd percent success rate. So it's imperative to get the tourniquet on quickly before they lose that blood. Mm-hmm. Blood needs to be in the body where it's, where it's designed to go. Uh, and also, out of all the tourniquets they put on, they didn't have one single loss of a limb due to the tourniquet application. There may have been a loss of limb due to the injury that was incurred that Necessitated the underlying, the, yeah, cause. The underlying cause, and it needed that necessitated a tourniquet being applied. But tourniquet times have increased from two to four to six hours. I mean, it's it's just because you put a tourniquet on, don't worry about losing that limb necessarily. And especially mm-hmm. here in the civilian sector, we're usually 20, 30, 45 minutes away from uh, from a major trauma center, anyhow. Mm-hmm. The big thing is stopping that person from bleeding to death. So that's the thing in the first pouch, uh, or in the first, yeah, the outside pouch. I've got a pair of shears in there to expose the person. It's uh, it's Molly compatible. It's got you know, it's got some Molly compatible uh, pull tabs on the back. It's got a couple of Molly straps on the outside. You can uh, or palace channels on the outside. You can throw chest decompression needle if you're so trained. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharpie, chem lights, anything like that in there. And if you pull the pull tab, open it up, I've got a little, there's a little lanyard here. And I put that in there because just from my experience and everything, you know, gross, gross motor function tends to want to take over. Fine motor function is decreased, not necessarily absent, just decreased in a mm-hmm. stressful situation. You pull up on that, there's a vacuum sealed packet in there, and it's got a, a, a combat gauze, our uh, LE, our mil spec, depending on the kit, and mm-hmm. the only difference in the combat gauze and the combat gauze LE is the mil spec combat gauze is in a green package, and it has an X-ray visible strip down the middle. Okay. The combat gauze LE, which is civilian law enforcement fire purchase, doesn't have that X-ray strip down the middle. The reason for that was there's so many patient handoffs, typically in the military theater of operations, that it could get overlooked, and so. You know, from point of injury to the OR, there could be several different handoffs, mm-hmm. and it could be overlooked. Say they wanted to see that they wanted to see on an X-ray, whereas a civilian version usually it's usually point of injury, EMS, hospital, and you know minimal minimal worry about that getting overlooked. Also, a halo chest seal comes two two chest uh, occlusive chest dressings in there, a four inch Israeli pressure bandage, uh, compressed twelve feet of compressed gauze. Uh, nasal airway and a pair of nitrile gloves, so it's non latex. You don't have to worry about hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. And it comes in a nice little vacuum seal refill. So we just rip that open and, and yeah. we get all that stuff. Rip it open, put it on, and get to work. And it's all these and it's, all these components are also available separate on the website. So if people want to pick up extras, you know, that's easy, easy peasy. So you're not really uh, based on. It's hard to see. Uh, well, obviously, it's hard to describe with words, but. So pulling on that lane, you just kind of pops the whole thing right out of there. You're not trying to dig inside that pouch or anything, which, uh, you know, might be a concern. So this is pretty much uh, just a purpose-driven item, like you mentioned before. There's no there's no Band-Aids. There's nope. no Neosporin or tweezers or anything. Nope. This is just 
what you need and, and nothing more. Yeah, this is your fire extinguisher. You know, pull the pin and or, or break the glass and pull the alarm. This is your fire extinguisher right here. This is like a patch kit for a bicyclist, just enough to get you to the bike shop. You know, the bike shop being the hospital. It's about the size of a double AR mag pouch, uh, roughly, and it weighs completely loaded, about 15.5 ounces. So not a whole lot of weight with, with guys in your line of work, you know, if you got an entry team or something like that, and they've got their battle rattle on, you know, mm-hmm. pounds and pounds of gear. Ounces equal pounds and pounds equal pain. Yep. And so you want to make sure you got something something that's uh, not going to take up a lot of weight and a lot of real estate. I'm a little dude. That's why they call me pocket top because I'm, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bitty fellow, 5'6", 169. And so I don't have a whole lot of real estate on my kit. That's the reason we wanted to keep it as small as possible. And since you mentioned that, I know um, one of uh, Daniel's pet peeves he's talking to me about is people that have these type of kits, but then they mount it someplace where they actually can't get to it themselves. Right. Where do you recommend? Uh, on my on my uh, on my plate carrier, I typically run it right next to my my mag pouch or mm-hmm. my trip. I got to run a triple shingle mag pouch on the on the front of my carrier. Mm-hmm. I run it immediately to the left of that. And basically, that's just so I can get to it with either hand. Uh, and, and but I never put it. I always, you know, think mission first, self aid, buddy care second. I never put it in the way of my primary uh, magazines or my secondary weapon. Uh, well, I've seen a lot of guys run their mag pouch on their right or their med kit on their right side, and then they go to draw their their. Uh, they do a transition, drop their carbine, do a transition, and they can't get their pistol up. And so I try to run my right side as slick as possible because I'm right handed shooter. So yeah, I would say as close to midline as you can without getting in the way of your ammo. Uh, on, a, on my battle belt, I can run it on the back because I can reach it with either hand. I could roll over either way, and it still doesn't get in the way. Yeah, like you said, there's just a couple gross things. Pull this strap, pull this strap, and the whole thing kind of goes right. launching out at you. Um, and I might have um, purpose-driven gunshot wounds, but it's not just gunshot wounds, right? This would no. help for certain other severe traumas, knife yeah. wounds, and... Yeah, absolutely. You know, the knife wounds, the uh, uh, direct pressure, uh, the stuff that you need to uh, you put some, it's not something that you can't put a tourniquet on necessarily, like a head wound. Obviously, you don't put a tourniquet around somebody's neck or head, hopefully. If you like them. If you like them a lot, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then you got the you know the nasal airway, which can be used nasally or orally, actually. Uh, a buddy of mine is a special forces doc. He's an anesthesiologist, and he's like, dude, I've used them both ways, depending on how, how the situation presented itself. You know, there's a... Uh, a picture I took today, and it's uh, it's uh, it's it's really telling. It was a, a something I'd, a saying that I'd, I saw, and it said, uh, and this kind of fits the med kit. No technique is perfect, but neither is the situation that requ- that will require you to use it. Yeah, that's I was a good like, point. I like that. Yeah. And so, I mean, this can be used for a, a lot of different situations, and it, like you said, you have sucking chest wounds, mm. abdominal eviscerations. Uh, Knife wounds, blast injuries, anything like yeah. that. You know, anything needs to be bleeding controlled and airway, airway controlled and breathing started or, you know, kept going where it is. So mm-hmm. stop the bleed and start to breathing. And that's what the kit does. Cool. Um, I think you had mentioned, uh, you know, some people are a little, um, hesitant with the, the cost of these things. What, what does one of these typically go for? Uh, on our, on our site, retails for one fifty nine ninety five, and, and, you know, if people want to roll their own, that's, that's fine with me. I'm, I'm okay with it. And when I say roll your own, you know, it's like building your own ammo. If you want to build your own med kit, go right ahead, but make sure you put top notch stuff in here. This is all the stuff that's in my kit is combat proven. It's, uh, stuff I've used in live tissue classes, stuff I've used in the real world. 
and I and I know it works. I've got feedback. I, I researched and did market analysis on this for about three and a half years before I ever launched it, and got feedback from a lot of good friends in the theater and overseas, and wanted to make sure I was putting out a solid product. Yeah. You know, and I've got I got five documented saves with it right now, so I'm pretty good. I'm pretty doggone happy. I had a Marine write me the other day, and he sent me an email and some pics, and was like, "Hey." Just want to let you know, I use your use your kit to save my buddy's life over in Afghanistan. So it gives me gives me goosebumps. Yeah, it's gonna make you, you know, it, it, it's Some total people, thought of. Yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah, it's total validation for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to keep it keep it simple. Yeah, and I know we use the uh, when we talk about firearms. You know, sometimes we use the the analogy that this could be a life saving piece of equipment. You know, if if this was a parachute, would you want the cheapest parachute or would you want the best parachute right. you could afford? And this is kind of the same thing. Um, I guess maybe, you know, what some people are, um, like you said, we have law enforcement listeners, military listeners, um, but we also have, you know, just people, uh, you know, responsible citizens or, you know, even myself, if I'm carrying off duty, uh, this might be a little too big for me to get away, especially since we asked you for the, the cool multicam version. <laughs> We're not going to be very stealthy uh, running this on our belt. Um, but you have another product for that, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And this was uh, something my wife and I started talking about actually back at SHOT, uh, back in January. And it just, since we're so small, we could only do one thing at a time. And so we, once we got our momentum going, we could start devoting a little more time to this other other project we had had in our minds. And we built a little, a little project and a little prototype, and it's called, uh, called the Pocket Dark. Uh, basically because it's, a, it's a downsized version of our our dark our direct action response kit and to fit in your pocket for a CCW holder or somebody on the range uh, throw in your purse you know throw in your man bag whatever the case may be and it's got it's only about four it's a four by four by one inch square okay and uh, we've got first spear con- contacted them again to build a sleeve for it so you can a little nylon protective sleeve with some Velcro, so you pop it open, and inside this vacuum sealed package, you got a roll of quick clot combat gauze, you got a pair of gloves, you got a SWAT T, which is a stretch wrap and tuck tourniquet, it's a little stretchy mm-hmm. tourniquet, kind of a multi-purpose device, really cool little tourniquet, uh, and it's got a four-inch Israeli dressing in there. Mm-hmm. So pretty much for anything life-threatening right then, and you can also use the uh, the plastic outer wrapping bag if you needed to for an inclusive dressing in a pinch. Yep. You know, for some kind of air, airtight seal. So it's a, it's a pretty cool little piece of kit, I think. And we sold a good bit of them to some law enforcement guys. And I had a, a buddy of mine that said, Hey, can you, the first ones didn't have, didn't have belt loops on them. He said, Hey, can you put a belt loop on there so I can throw it on my belt for concealed carry? Well, yeah, it's only like seven ounces. So why not? And so I contacted the first spear and they obliged me. That like said they're great to work with. So they threw a belt loop on there, minimal mm-hmm. cost and, People, people love it. People love cool. the belt loop. So it'll fit on up to a two-inch belt, so like a rigger's belt or mm-hmm. like a, one of these Ranger belts I get from Jake at Aries Gears. I mean, they they work great. That, that is a beautiful tie-in to our other sponsor, too. <laughs> it's like almost that, like huh? they're going to think I set this up. But, yeah, um, obviously Aries is another one of our uh, sponsors. And coincidentally, we're both wearing Aries gear belts without right. even uh, – Making any special arrangements, so right. We cool. didn't even didn't even plan it. Free a free commercial in the middle there, a little extra commercial for Jake over at Aries. But yeah, that's uh, I mean that's really good because it's something that you can have on you all the time and right. you know doesn't doesn't scream anything. You know, just a little hmm. a little yeah, a little black pouch. They come in black or coyote tan. So if mm-hmm. guys want a coyote tan, that's fine. But I ran mine. I ran the prototype on my belt for about two months, and ironically enough, they came in the day. 
of the Aurora movie theater shooting, which was about 25 miles from our house. I'm based out of Colorado, mm-hmm. and we live about 25 miles from Aurora. And it was heartbreaking. You know, my seven seven year old daughter the next morning, uh, or the yeah, I was walking her to the bus, and she said, "Daddy," she said. You have your little pocket kit on you? I said, yeah, baby, I got it on me all the time. She said, I wish some people would have had your stuff last night at the movie theater. That might have saved some lives. Mm. I mean, I'm a seven-year-old saying yeah. that. So, I mean, if if she sees the validity, validity in it, then hopefully other people will, too. Mm-hmm. So, How much do those go for? They run for seventy nine ninety five. Uh, you know, our markup is not not huge, and I don't want it to be because I'm trying to get a good product out for Anybody yeah. and and they're they're small, so they make great stocking stuffers. Excellent! It is Christmas time, <laughs> and, and so. right now I just let you know, let folks know, I'm having a I'm having a, a holiday sale going on. So if they type in in all caps, ho ho ho, h o h o h o, they can get ten percent off their purchase right now. So we're going to be running that probably through the end of the year. Cool. We're um, most likely this show is going to go up. Uh, <clears throat> let's see, it's Wednesday the fifth now. So hopefully this weekend it'll go up, and they'll still have a couple weeks to awesome take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, this isn't. Uh, you know, we're not all about selling stuff here. I mean, no, you get some good products, but um, obviously, you know, you've got two sides of it: the product side and the training side. Yes. Uh, so you mentioned you actually have like a couple different ways you run the class depending on. Uh, you know, facilities, if you can do things live fire versus if you can't. Um, why don't you get into that a little bit? What, what is your, what, what classes do you teach and how sure. do you teach them? Yeah, I teach, uh, the, through our, through Dark Angel Medical, we teach the, uh, tactical aid course or direct action response course. Uh, it's a, just a two day base for the layperson. So if you have little to no medical experience, that's perfect. If you have no prerequisites, yeah, you know, that's perfect. You don't, there are no prerequisites to the class. Just come in with a, a pen and you're good to go. The manual's provided for you. It comes, uh, the, the course, uh, includes a kit. The course tuition includes one of our kits. And, and we learn, we teach people, you know, basic anatomy and physiology, uh, uh, situational awareness, uh, you know, how to, you know, to have the proper mindset when you're utilizing the, the kit, uh, the kit components, injuries that you would use the kit for. And, uh, other ex- field expedient measures, uh, and then the last half of the second day is all hands-on stuff, teaching people how to do splints, do slings and swaths, uh, uh, nasal airways, putting pressure bandages on, utilizing different types of tourniquets that they may find. So just you know, a lot of different, a lot of different stuff, and it's like two days of nonstop full tilt boogie, man. It's like drinking from a fire hose. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of information, but. I try to lay it out in foundation so it's, you know, it builds on itself. And by the end of the, by the end of the, uh, second day, people, you know, light bulbs are clicking on and they're like, Oh, okay, cool. So they feel a lot more prepared. I had a, a guy utilize the stuff to save a dude's life two weeks after he had taken one of my classes. With, wow. Yeah. A guy fell off, fell off his boat, boat hit him, two props, uh, hit the guy and uh, he had tourniquets and he used tourniquets to save the guy's life. And the guy kept his legs. So there's there goes that myth right there. Um, and then the class we teach up here at SIG, that's if we don't have a – that's just a two-day non-live fire class. Up at SIG, we uh, throw an extra day after the classroom in on the range, we'll run people through pistol work in the morning, rifle work in the afternoon, and kind of build them up doing some just some fundamental stuff. And then we start throwing in the little bit of stress of I run them on a timer, and they have a certain amount of time to, to engage a target, fight their way back to cover – Neutralize the threat, get a tourniquet on, re-engage the threat, and they're they're timed. Mm-hmm. And so, whenever you start doing that, you kind of you kind of activate the body alarm response a little bit. Throws a little stress inoculation on them, but I'd rather I'd rather them have to deal with that stressor there 
and see all of the graphic pictures and things like that of what can happen to somebody versus seeing it on the street mm-hmm. for the first time ever and not knowing what to do, how to react. Yeah. So you've already programmed, you know, the brain is, Hey, I've seen this before. I've done this before. Exactly. And we press I mean, on. Nothing, nothing beats the real, real thing, but you know, we don't want the real thing in this case. Yeah. So it, it, it's a, I think it's it'll have a lot of really good feedback from it. So I just enjoy getting the, getting the word out and teaching folks. So it's not, um, and you know, Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so you're still teaching for Magpul? Um, I, yeah, I contract for I contract out uh, medical training for them when they need it. Okay, uh, and yeah. you do the thing at Sig, but also you'll take this on the road if there's like a uh, if somebody's got a, a range or a fishing game club if they've got some facility, they yes. can call you up and you'll come out and uh, do the class. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're going to be on the road. We've already got like six classes scheduled. Working on two or three more for Dark Angel this next year. Uh, my first class after the 2013 calendar year after shot show is going to be February up in Michigan. And then we head up to Freeport, Maine, uh, in April. I'm in Buffalo, New York in March and you know, in Arizona in April and then go out to Arkansas and Colorado. I mean, we're all over the place. Yeah. So it's, it's good because we're getting the word out. People realize, hey, this isn't just about gunshot wounds. It's not going to train to attack medic. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to teach people basic life-saving skills that that anybody can anybody can take mm-hmm. no matter what your your skill level is yeah and i noticed too you know you you talked about the um you know how this isn't just gunshot wounds and stuff like the guy in the boat and so forth and you've actually got a facebook page and i, I noticed you sometimes will throw up a scenario and yeah you know this is a scenario and it's not uh, in fact i don't remember it being much about being shot or anything it's always something that's kind of things that uh, can happen to us that aren't, you know, the typical, you know, bad guy shoots me, I shoot him, and then I throw my tourniquet on. Right. But you do run a lot of scenarios on your Facebook page and weigh in on that. So Yeah, I, I do. And it's the little pop quizzes and our mm-hmm. attack med tips and things like that. We'll put a little little write-up up there. And it's just to get people to stimulate their mind mm-hmm. and get them to think, well, what would I do in that situation? How would I react to that situation? And, you know, think outside their med kit because they may not always have them with them. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we'd hope they would, but, yeah. you know, learn how to exploit the environment around them and, and help themselves out because, you know, when it comes down to it, they may be the only hope they have is themselves. Yeah. Now, I've seen uh, some videos on your site as well. Do you produce your own videos or do you link to some other things that you think are, are decent? We link to uh, we link to the manufacturer's videos right now. We're, we're, we've got some stuff like that in the works. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I'm going to be talking to some guys that shot. Uh, about some video production and uh, we right now we link to the manufacturers of the halo seal and the manufacturers of the the um, uh, Israeli dressing and combat gauze just so people can watch those as a and use them as kind of a uh, online resource mm-hmm. so if they want to get more training on how to use this stuff you know the kinesthetic we're very hands-on learners adults I think more more so you know, visual and hands-on more so than listening and uh, if they can uh, at least see the video, it gives them an idea of what the components, each component of the kit does. So I, I try to I try to put some good links up there, and we'll put some video links up there for some other stuff every now and then, and just to let people see. You know, there's some of the stuff I've got that's just way too graphic, I think, for people you know, from the, the military. So yeah, that's not going to be going up there. <laughs> Now you said you you might begin into producing your own videos. Is that what the beard's all about? You, you <laughs> that Chris Costa thing? <laughs> I'm channeling my inner Chris. Now Chris and I, I've known Chris for you know, since I was with Magpul, and uh, he's a great guy. He's been 
a big, big supporter of us and has actually, he's put us in contact with the video production guys and oh, good. everything. And he's pushed our kit quite a bit. He, he wears one on the range and, and talks about it with people. And so, uh, no, actually this was, the beard was for, for Movember for, you know, no shave November. And of course, my, to much to my wife's chagrin, I'm going to stretch it into don't shave December and January and Feb beard airy. And, uh, <laughs> but she's, uh, no, she's digging it now. So it's a lot smoother. Oh, she, yeah. She wouldn't kiss me for like two weeks. So <laughs> it's porcupine uh, stage yeah, has gone. Yeah. Past, it, it was driving me crazy. I was almost about to shave it off, but I said, no, I got it. I got it. I've never grown a beard before. Yep. So I figured I'd want it. Might as well. Press on. Especially, I think if you're going to, uh, if you're going to do video, especially if you're going to be on YouTube, you need dark glasses. You need a beard. Yeah, you uh, got to have the combat beard, yeah, man. Exactly. Yeah, guns don't kill, kill people. People with beards <laughs> kill people. Exactly. Um, what I want to do is we had a couple questions on the Facebook page here. Um, some people had asked some intelligent-sounding questions. And so I wanted to see if uh, you could answer them. I won't respond to Jake Stevens' question about my wife putting the stuff up on the higher shelf. Aha, uh-huh. yep. Yeah. We'll just passed by that one. Just to torment me. Um, Andrew Orsini, probably don't want to answer his either. Uh, oh, Andy? Yeah. Yep. So we'll skip him. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Andy. <laughs> here's one uh, from Brandon Shelton. Uh, I'll read this out. Um, Mr. Davis' opinion, uh, obviously, this is in the form of a question, I think. Um, he would like to know your opinion on teaching needle decompression to non EMTI. Slash EMTP. I asked because we, and apparently he's, uh, works for Bella Medical Ministries, um, has taught the technique outside the continental United States to military and law enforcement, and he's gotten flack for it from other providers at home. I believe that SWAT, TSU officers, if not all officers, should be taught how to relieve and manage a tension pneumothorax in a hot zone I'm sorry, until the hot zone is declared safe for EMS. And that's, again, from Brandon Shelton. So what are your thoughts on that? Okay. I don't carry a needle in my kit for very specific reasons. One is it's liability. Uh, that's the biggest reason that I don't teach it to civilians. I don't teach it to law enforcement officers. It's not in our scope of practice. It's not in our scope of training. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it's not in their scope of training. You know, as a paramedic, as a military medic, I've done it, but it was in my scope of practice. It was in my scope of training. And in today's litigious society, yeah, true, it's it's considered an advanced skill. Mm-hmm. Is it really an advanced skill? Uh, you know, it, as long as you know what the symptoms look for, you know the landmark to use, and you you've had the training. Truly, I've trained eleven Bravos. You know, riflemen in, in the in the army, uh, infantry guys. I trained them. You know, fifteen thirty minutes. They they know how to do it. They know the symptoms to look for. Things like that. They have a certain algorithm they follow. However, military scope of practice is completely different than civilian, and that's the whole reason I don't carry one in my kit. It's from a liability standpoint, and mm-hmm. as a as a police officer, uh, you open yourself up to a huge amount of liability. As an individual, you open yourself up to a huge amount of liability if you do not have the proper certification to apply that skill, because mm-hmm. in the civilian world, it is considered an advanced advanced practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically attention pneumothorax, uh, can take an hour or two to develop anyway. If it's, if it's occluded initially, if it's not occluded initially with like a halo seal, it can take minutes to develop. Yes. But the, uh, the legal implications of, of teaching that to non-qualified personnel in the civilian sector is, yeah. uh, the risks just do not outweigh the benefits. So you would, you would kind of have almost a double whammy if, 
A, you put it in your kits and provide it to people, and B, if you train people outside of you know what the normally accepted, yeah. I guess, medical training practices. Yeah, are. absolutely. I mean, if he if and, and I tell people, hey, if you want to teach people that, yeah, it, that's on you. But uh, for me and my house, I'm not gonna I'm mm-hmm. not gonna open myself up to that kind of that kind of liability, just from a training standpoint. Okay, fair enough. Um, Got another uh, intelligent question here from Cody Kennedy. Uh, he wants to know your opinion on including a nasal trumpet with the rest of a field medical kit. Uh, apparently what he carries is a combat-applied tourniquet, Israeli bandage, and quick-clock gauze. Okay. Well, he's got part of our kit, mm-hmm. basically, in his field kit. And we do include a nasal airway in our kit. Uh, nasal airway is considered a basic adjunct, a basic airway Device. It doesn't require any advanced skills or anything like that. Uh, it's advanced, uh, not an advanced piece of equipment. Uh, you basically just find the right hole to put it in, which is your your nostril. Mm-hmm. Nasal is a big clue. Na- nasal, nasal is a big clue. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and you just you, you slide it on in. Uh, and the, there's some contraindications with using the nasal airway, uh, like massive facial injuries, uh, massive air. Uh, uh, Facial fractures, things like that, because we don't want to slide it up in the brain. That's typically not not optimal. No. And, uh, <laughs> speaking and, of liability, speaking of liability, but uh, you got to know those those things to watch out for. Uh, with the uh, nasal airway, again, like I said, that anesthesiologist, is like, hey man, you know, you can use this thing orally too by placing it right behind the tongue, securing it in place with the gauze that's in the kit. You could unroll that that standard gauze. You know, make a little tie around it and tie it around the back of the head and secure it in place behind the tongue, and it's uh it's there. But you you know got to take the class to to know how to do it. It's yeah. it's nothing you it's nothing you're going to use without hopefully ever having had a class. And I even have that disclaimer written on my package. You know, don't don't buy this kit, don't use the kit unless you've taken a, a class, whether it's my class or someone else's, to learn how to use it properly. But yeah, the I do include an nasal airway because you've got to you got to worry about keeping that airway open. Recovery position may not be the end all be all in a basic situation. Yeah, uh, Cody also wants to know um, any input you have getting a uh, tactical EMS unit uh, started up. Any uh, any thoughts there? As far as uh, as far as a tactical EMS unit for, I think he's just oh, maybe oh. looking to to start one up or something. If, if he's interested in starting one up, he. Uh, he uh, should probably get in contact with some of the guys at International School of Tactical Medicine out in Palm Springs, uh, Dr. High School, Lawrence High School. He's probably one of the foremost. He's like the granddaddy of them all when it comes to tact med stuff. And as far as tactical law enforcement, tactical EMS stuff, he's uh, he's probably the go-to guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he could give, could give Cody quite a bit of information on what he might need to look into as far as starting up his own, their own, his own department's TIMS unit. That kind of makes me think of uh, a question I have, um, somewhat on topic, somewhat off. But uh, in your experience, uh, for example, you know, I'm part of a regional SWAT team. We've got operators, you know, whatever you want to call them. You know, basically the guys running the guns. But our medics basically are like EMTs with fire departments. We have some emergency room doctors and so forth. Mm-hmm. What do you typically? Is that the model you typically recommend? Should you have a Primarily a, a medical person as your your Thames, or is it is there any advantage to having more of an operator that's cross trained, or is it a combination of both? Yeah, there's I've seen a combination of both to be honest with you, John, because uh, out uh, out in Boulder where we live, uh, there's a uh, 
a department, the department there has medics who are actually operators. So they're, they're cross trained. Uh, some of the departments down south actually have a, a SWAT medic who is a fire medic or a uh, paramedic that works with them and comes with them to call outs. He may not go in on a stack. Whereas in like Boulder County, the medic actually rolls in with a stack and clears rooms, things like that. And if any cat, they come up on any casualties. They get, they take care of the casualty, go back to a fallback position behind cover and, and into a room that's already been cleared, clear the casualty, get them prepared for evacuation, and they get them gone. They, they'll roll the bear cat up, throw in a bear cat, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the big advantage I can see to the operators being cross-trained as medics is they have that continuity, that they already have that teamwork. They already know their, their SOPs. They already know the tactics, the lingo, everything like that. I can see that as being more advantageous. Plus, they've already, they're trained with firearms and they are competent with them. Not saying that the other guys aren't, but if a lot of the, I know a lot of departments don't allow the fire medics or the paramedics to, to be armed. Correct. You yep. know, when they go in, mm-hmm. if they, if they go in with a SWAT team or yep. if they stand or if they don't stand by the SWAT team. So I see that as another advantage because they can not only, they can be offensive, defensive, you know, caregivers right there with their teammates. So yep. if something did happen, they did get engaged. Mm-hmm. They at least had the ability to, negate that threat yeah and that, that's pretty much primary in any of these situations yeah. is making sure the scene's safe before you start trying to exactly plug holes and no stuff. sense becoming a casualty if there's still more folks out there yeah that was uh me breaking into the facebook questions but uh i'll get back to the facebook uh, one more question we had ryan Russell had a question about uh, wound packing on a non-compressible injury with a small entrance wound and no exit wound I don't know really what any of that means, but uh, hopefully you know something. Okay. A, a uh, wound packing on non-compressible injury. When he's talking about non-compressible injury, you mean something – he's talking about something with uh, that you can't take – you can't control the bleeding with a tourniquet. And typically what I tell people like the non-compressible injury sites are is between the belly button and the collarbone. All the way around. That's kind of like our little, our little non-compressible box uh, because of the, the framework, the rib cage there, the organs, everything like that. If there's a small entrance wound and they've got some bleeding going on internally, and you know there's a bleeding going on internally, we don't advise packing that at all. You know, into the thorax and the abdomen. You basically the only thing you can really do for that is direct pressure and pressure bandages and 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 a liberal dose of fuel getting them to the hospital that's about the best cure for that uh, there are some extreme circumstances in the special operations community i've heard of of, of guys using this stuff called cellox a it's a kytosan based shellfish based hemostatic and they this guy got hit in the liver and the seal medic with him um, the liver is a fatal shot and they're in a hot zone and they weren't getting evac'd out he put that hemostatic plugged it in the hole because it's like a syringe and so he shoved it in the bullet hole and packed it and, and squirted the hemostatic air and then put direct pressure on top of that. He didn't really pack the wound. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a small wound like that, a small interest wound, is just not amenable to wound packing. And if you started trying to pack it, you're liable to, in, to incur more damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's, the, that's, that's our primary goal, first do no harm. Mm-hmm. So we're not trying to harm more than they already have been. Just control the bleeding the best you can. And with that kind of injury, direct pressure is going to be the king. Excellent. Well, that's all our questions. Uh, so somebody that uh, either wants your products or wants to find out about your course schedule, how are they going to get in touch with you? Sure, man. Uh, they can contact us on www.darkangelmedical.com. Uh, they can follow us on Facebook. They can follow us on Twitter at Dark 
underscore angel underscore med are on Instagram. At, you know, we have at dark angel med uh, or at dark angel medical. Sorry. Uh, and we have, we post things on there regularly, daily if I can. I mean, I'm up here for a week right now, so my, my posts are a little bit, they're tapered off a little bit. And if they're looking for training, uh, that's the big thing. I'd rather give folks the training because we don't want to, uh, I, I don't want to sound like an infomercial, uh, during the class. And I teach people, I teach people, uh, how to use components, not just a kit, not just my kit. I teach them to use the components, which are found in many kits out there because there's a lot of really good producers of kits out there. So I'm not saying mine's the end all be all. I just think mine fits a fits a niche. And so if they want to learn how to use the kits or their kit, great. They get a kit. They get my kit as a as a as part of the tuition, which is four hundred fifty dollars for two days, mm-hmm. uh, and with a industry standard pricing of two hundred to two hundred fifty bucks. That's a day per person. That's a pretty good. That's, that's pretty real good. good when you factor in the price of the kit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's a pretty good deal. And it's basically just to get the word out. I want to get people talking this stuff and, and help people out. Uh, they can they can check out our training schedule. It's on our training page on our website. Just click on the training. They can see all of our classes we have scheduled out so far. If folks are interested in bringing us to their area, they can check out the host requirements. If they're interested and they see that, hey, that's something I really want to do or I know somebody that wants to do that, all the questions typically for the course are right there. And if they have a question, they can contact me at Kerry, K-E-R-R-Y, at darkangelmedical.com. And I'll send them a, a response as quickly as possible because we'd love to get out there and teach as many classes as we can because the more people we touch with this stuff, we know we're, we're putting out some good solid info for folks and not, not overcomplicating things. Excellent. Well, Carrie, thanks for uh, joining me today. Cool. Uh, thanks, hopefully John. we can uh, maybe do some follow up, get some more because I'm sure we're going to get some more questions from listeners and stuff. And uh-huh. uh, definitely sounds like a big, uh, you know, big product area, big knowledge area that uh, hopefully you'll let us uh, tap in on in the future. Yeah, man. Love to. Anytime. If anybody has any questions, you have any questions, let me know, and I'll be glad to bump in whenever I can. All right. Thanks, Kerry. Cool. Thanks, John. And that will wrap up show number 80. Thanks for joining us. Please follow Gunfighter Cast on Facebook. We're also on Twitter, Google+, and also the Freedoms Network. Uh, if you haven't joined the Freedoms Network yet, That's www.blanchardmediagroup.ning.com. Also, the Null Attack Forum. You can find us. We've got an industry partner page on the forum there as well. Thanks to the other shows that we listen to, the Urban Shooter Podcast, Gun Dudes, Road Gunner Cast, and Safety Solutions Academy. If you're looking for more content, give them a listen. If you haven't already done so, we suggest you find a group that you support as far as your gun rights go, be it the NRA, Second Amendment Foundation, maybe even something on the local level, but find somebody to give your support to. If you have any questions or you want to suggest a future show topic, you can always email us, either daniel at gunfightercast.com or myself, john, at gunfightercast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, be safe. Gunfighter Cast out.
just like that, magic is made. 